Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Upside Swings Draft Podcast, the podcast at the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined as always by the great Stone Hansen, and the next in our series of guests here to talk about the Wizards, Matt Moderno, uh, not Matt Fizo. That's an important note um, as a dumb joke to start it off. Uh, but uh, we are here with Matt to talk about the Wizards, and uh, we're very excited to bring him on. He's a great Twitter follow and just a great guy, uh, always covering the Wizards. So, Matt, how you doing? I'm good. Appreciate that nice intro. Whatever I paid you, it was worth it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm still waiting on that check, so uh, yeah, so, you, so you better you just better keep an eye on your bank account. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. Uh, and then, of course, Stone, as always, is here. Thousand followers, Stone. Uh, I'll stop that at some point, but I don't know when. Uh, at some point, I'll just call you Normal Stone. But right now, you're you're one K Stone. Uh, Stone, how are you good. doing? Uh, I wish I was making 1K. Um, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about the Wizards, actually. There's a lot of players right in their range that I think make a lot of sense for them, so this should be a fun one. Yeah, this is this is exciting. Uh, we are going to avoid sort of the... Uh, I think we're going to try and avoid too much like Bradley Beal trade talk or like... Just because I, I feel like that's... Yeah, that's not really what we do here. Um, I, I don't... I still don't see that as super realistic. It just, he doesn't seem like he wants out. Um, so we're not, we're not going to delve too much into that. Maybe one will get brought up. We'll just see for now. Uh, we're joined, like I mentioned by the great Matt Moderno and, and Matt, I just want to ask you like, what do the, what are the wizards right now? I guess they're one of like the more confusing teams. Uh, I was watching some tape today while at work and I just, I feel like they're at such a weird place to franchise. They have some interesting young players. They, of course, have Bradley Beal, Russell Westbrook. So what are they? What holes do they need to fill? And where do you think they're going from here? What are they? I think they're the definition of mediocre or like slightly better than mediocre or, or just like the uh, comfortability, you know, like it just the franchise is set like making the playoffs as sort of the bar for the better part of a decade to most fans dismay, I, I think. I think we'd rather either be terrible or, you know, terrible with some hope to get better longer term or, or actually good. Uh, and we're just sort of, I don't know, we're slightly better than purgatory maybe. Uh, in terms of what do they need, it, every team that's good seemingly has at least one three and D wing. And if you can look at the Wizards roster and name one of those, uh, you're doing better than I am because I, I can't really say anybody does both effectively. Yeah, I think that, and you know, that's something that I think a lot of teams point to as a need, but I think it's always consistently teams like this, uh, it, you know, the Hornets, when they were sort of in this range, had this issue too, where it's, they had Kimball Walker or they had L Jefferson, but they don't have any real wings who, who provide value on both ends. Um, it's a lot of one-way guys, you know, like I like Rui Hachimura. He hasn't quite really figured it out on either end. Then you Dia wasn't great defensively this past year. Um, they just sort of kind of have that big hole on the roster. Um, so Matt, are there any guys like around 15 you think could maybe fill that? Um, or maybe it to trade this pick? Are there any guys you like in that sense either? Like who, who what are some names you're thinking of that, that might fill that role? Uh, I mean, I, I think the big one is um, Bradley Beal, elite alum, Moses Moody. I think that's a name that most of the fan base has sort of locked into. 
they, they need they need guys that can contribute but be low usage. I mean, that's sort of the issue when you have Beal, you have uh, Westbrook, and, and even Hatchmore. I mean, he's going to shoot it 90% of the time. He, he gets it in those situations. So uh, Bertans is the same way. Like the, the ball movement uh, was atrocious this past season. I hopefully whoever our new coach ends up being, that that's a thing that they prioritize. But either way, you need somebody that doesn't need to dribble 10 times before they take a shot. So I think Moody makes sense. Uh, this is a name that's going to get me like kicked out of DC probably because we, we don't like folks that weren't international players has like a very um, PTSD inducing reaction in, in Washington. So Fra Franz Wagner is a guy that, you know, makes sense to me. Um, I don't I mean how, how real is the shooting, I guess is probably a question still, but at least to sort of like Phil's an archetype. Uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Otto Porter, who was despite being hated now was actually effective in DC. So uh, I, I don't see him as being realistic. We kind of mistreated Mo Wagner, so I can't imagine him wanting to come here or us like taking a chance on him either. But those are two names that could be available-ish that that I think make the most sense. How, how about you guys? Anyone that that makes sense to you? Well, I I want to jump into some more names in a second, but I really love what you talk about where where like ball movement was the biggest issue, right? It's like it's a team full of ball stoppers. Um, even, you know, I like I mentioned, I like Rui. I don't really like him here because that's kind of what he does. He's a play finisher. Um, and I just, I think, you know, you mentioned Franz. Uh, I think he is is maybe an ideal guy. I, I don't think he'll be here. I, I think he's sure. probably going to end up being a top 12 pick. Um, but if he falls, I, even with the the mistreatment of, of Big Mo, um, I think he makes a lot of sense here because he will move the ball and he's going to make good decisions. Um, as much as I like, like a, like a Moses Moody, and, and if he's here, you have to take him. He's, he's simply the best player available at that point, but I feel like they need to be looking for some, some sort of just connecting passing, like, yeah. you know, like a Tyrese Halliburton would be so perfect here. And obviously, you know, don't that, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we don't need to go into that, but yeah, yeah, I mean, he would be perfect. That was something I thought maybe Denny could do, and I really didn't feel like he did it a lot this year. I was, I was lower on Denny in general, and then he really, I, I Matt, I want to ask you, like you watched Anthony a lot more. Gill had a higher usage rate, yeah, than Denny Avdia this year. Think about that. Do you even know yeah. who Anthony Gill is? Like most people that don't watch the Wizards go who when you I say did, Anthony Gill. I had never heard of him until the season. To be completely honest, it's crazy. What I remember is that at UVA, uh, Virginia, he didn't shoot any threes. And then overseas, he magically became like a good three-point shooter. And in the NBA, did it translate? I don't, and, you know, yes and no. But yeah, Denny is just like, I just feel like that was such a wasted pick. And I don't want to, Denny has a shot to be something, but I just think it, it really didn't it really didn't fill the need they needed there. Um, it's I was lower on Tyrese Halliburton too, but man, looking back, he was such, he was the right pick there. Even mm -hmm. if you have Russell Westbrook and, and, and Bradley Beal just figured out because it's not like you're playing any defense anyways, just, you know, you need to, you need to, what kept them from being a good offense, despite all their good offensive personnel was that they had one like good passer and that's Russell Westbrook. And for him to be a good passer, he has to have the ball a lot. So it's sort of like a, it's just, it was just a roster with a lot of, um, 
people who need the ball to do anything. And, and, and that's tough. So I like what you said, where it's like, you have to have someone who doesn't need the ball and also is going to pass like sometimes when they do get the ball and not just try and put it, put it in the basket every single time they touch it. They were 29th in passes this year. And I want to say 27th in like distance run off ball. So it's, I mean, sort of obscure stats, but yeah, it, if you watch them play, you're like, yep, makes sense. Like nobody's moving and nobody's passing. So uh, yeah, it's just, that has to be sort of something they at least keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And Russell Westbrook kind of does that to teams. I, I love Russ deep down, um, but uh, he just, the, the Rockets were like that when he was there because he he's someone who who needs the ball and he needs to run spread, pick and roll. Um, and, and when you have someone like Bradley Beal who needed usage, it's just, it was just sort of an oddly constructed roster. And obviously it worked out for what Ted Leonsis wanted. He, he got, he got the eighth seed, you know, he snuck in there, but um, it, it just, it just sort of a, I can imagine as a Wizards fan, it's sort of a demoralizing place to be. Uh, but there is there is some hope. And I, Stone, I'm going to let you give some names you kind of like here at 15 that you think could uh, bring a spark to, to D.C. Yeah. Um, but before I actually do that, I just wanted to ask Matt, like, what long term are the core pieces of this team, do you think? Like, I don't think Russell Westbrook is really going to be there for, you know, much longer um and maybe you know after his contract is up probably and then um Beal we don't know really what's going on with the situation but you know odds are looking like he's not going to be there super super long term so um is, is there anyone on this team that you think is a part of their core like Ray or uh Denny or is it just take the best player available and and don't worry about who our core is so the like the whole best player available thing is like something that that sends me into like a personal like tweak moment you know like I start to twitch when I hear that because that's all our fan base yells is always take best player available but it let's say Denny was best player available he'll never convey into that best player if he makes literally no sense with the roster so I, I feel like you have to have like some amount of like honest, honest. self-reflection or, or awareness of what your team is when you kind of take that guy. And, and none of these guys are like going to be leaps and shoulders better than each other. And at 15 in this draft, I think like if they were picking fifth or sixth versus seventh, like that's a drop off. Right. Um, but so to answer your actual question, sorry for the, the side rant there. Um, no worries. I, I think Rui is the one, you know, like to me, uh, his ceiling is still probably like fifth best guy on a good team, but that's just sort of how slim the pickings are here. I, I think Thomas Bryan is probably not long for the Wizards. I actually really enjoy Daniel Gafford, but if you can't get in good enough shape to play 20 minutes a game at in your early 20s, like that's a little concerning to me. He is kind of limited. You know, he's probably going to get a much bigger deal when this contract is up. Can they afford to keep him? Probably not. So I'm lower on Denny than most. Again, I think he's another guy that's probably best suited as like a rotation guy, which is fine, but not, I don't think any of them are like future building blocks of a good team. Do you guys see it any differently from what you watched of the team? I do not. I pre-draft, I was very high on Denny um, and I still am relatively high, but even in his highest end outcomes, I still don't see him as like a, even a second option on a, on a good team. Um, I think you're, you know, as highest end outcome is maybe as like a third option. 
Um, and even then that's again, like highest end outcome. Mm -hmm. So not, not super likely. Um, so I'm in agreement with you where I think there's, it's really, there, there's nobody there that you, there's like a star for them or a young star that you can like really build around per se. So I think uh, it's, you do have to do what you can to maximize what you have. Um, but at the same time, you have to acquire talent that maximizes themselves as well. It, it's, it's a tough line to walk. Um, that said, though, there's two names, at least for me, um, that sort of stand out that we haven't talked about much, actually, on this series. One is Jalen Johnson. Uh, Jalen Johnson is somebody that, you know, there's – I – is I've been doing this for a while and he's probably the hardest evaluation I've ever come across. He's very difficult, but in um, Washington, like I, they should swing for the fences. And again, I'm not sure exactly what a roster with Bertans, Denny and Rui and Jalen Johnson all look like together. That's a lot of forwards. Um, but he's a guy that I think can move the ball. He's somebody, obviously the shooting is a question, a concern, but um, the defense and the ball movement are two things that Washington obviously desperately needs. And I think he provides both of those things. Um, again, he's super hard to evaluate. And I think it's going to take an optimal context for him to really maximize his value. But the Wizards are at a point where they have, they have the um, timeline to sort of do that and, and mix it up and see what works with him and what doesn't. So, you know, maybe they are the team that gets the most out of him. And then the other the other guy, I would say, would be Zaire Williams, uh, somebody I think who has upside as a three-level scorer, can really shoot from anywhere at his, you know, median to higher-end outcomes. Um, somebody that does move the ball, I think, uh, you know, at Stanford, maybe he was um, – it was a less than optimal uh, situation for him. But I think in Washington, he can really – thrive as sort of um, a guy where, you know, not all that pressure has put him on, on him offensively and he can work off ball a bit. Um, and there's, there's a lot to like about Zaire. So those two guys really stand out for me as just sort of more um, upside swings, if you want to say uh, that the wizards can take a look at, but I'm, yeah, I, there's a lot of names in this area. I think that that sort of makes sense for them in one way or another. So I think if you were, a general manager of this team and you wanted to do like what like those are picks like they should do i don't think they will do only because like you guys were alluding to it at the start here what is this team they seem to think like we have to try to like build a winner and win now so who can help us right away and when you have that much money going to three players in westbrook beal and burton's you got to find a way to add like cheap talent that can contribute half the roster won't be back. You know, they're not going to be able to afford like how Neto, like he was a crazy important member of the rotation, which is yeah. wild to even say, and, and they won't be able to afford him. So like, I, I think Tommy Shepard's done a reasonable job of trying to test out cheap guys and, and not necessarily retreads, but, but guys that might still have some untapped potential, but, the draft picks so far were guys that thought had more ceiling, but also could at least do something this first year. So like, I like the Zaire pick actually really high on him. I don't think they'll do it just because there's like almost no chance he could play like playoff minutes this year. Johnson's like maybe a little different. He's like bigger, a little more solid. 
but can you play him on the court with Westbrook? Beal didn't actually even shoot it that well this year overall, from, from three at least. Uh, Denny can't shoot. Rui is a reluctant shooter. Gafford can't shoot. Like, they're just – they're really sort of hamstrung. I, I mean, you almost need, like, a, some sort of unicorn to fall in your lap, and I don't, I don't know who that is. Kai Jones. <laughs> a little break take that, though. <laughs> well, so – Kai Jones is, is a fascinating fit here, but he, I, I worry about him in the same sense that he's not really ready to contribute at the high level right now, or, or if he is, it's not in a role that's going to maximize him long-term. Like what he looks like as a playoff contributor next year is like Daniel Gafford, like a more mobile, like if Daniel Gafford was a better athlete in every imaginable way. Um, but that's kind of, like as a immediate contributor like he I feel I feel like this isn't a good fit for what I want Kai Jones to be so I'm being selfish there he would be an excellent pick here uh for me because I still think like we talked about this with Lee Branscombe when we were talking about the Hornets how it's like if, if you can bet on upside like he's a great bet here because you might not be here again. And that made a that made more sense with the Hornets because they're kind of on an upward trajectory. I don't know what trajectory the wizards are on. They're just kind of, I feel like they've been flat for half a decade. They almost Drafting beat- 15 through 20 for the next decade is probably a reasonable pick. You yeah. Know, somewhere yeah. in that range. Yeah. So, I mean, if, as that type of pick, I think Kai Jones makes a lot of sense. If you're going to actually try and develop him, I don't think he works if you're going to be like, okay, he's a five and he's going to be like a rim runner. Um, because that I think is really, you're really losing what he could be there. Um, there is a name I wanted to bring up someone who I'm notably very low on. I, I wrote a piece on him, but I think he's absolutely going to be in play here. I think he fits what you're talking about, Matt, where he's, going to be an immediate contributor and he's going to be looked at as someone who can be an immediate contributor that's Alperin Shingun um Turkish League MVP uh he's a big man they have big men on the roster but I I, I like Daniel Gafford I don't know if he's a don't draft anyone at his position um and Thomas Bryant uh I still think is up in the air I, I he's the type of guy where I think losing that little bit of athleticism can really hurt him um, he was already a pretty bad defender unless he was right at the rim. Um, and, and if he's not even good, literally right at the rim, then uh, he might he might be too bad for even the Wizards to play. Um, it, it wasn't like it wasn't good that Mo Wagner was far and away the better defender than him. Um, so in that sense, I think Sengun makes a lot of sense. I think he is someone who who in this on this team can step up and uh and play minutes early on um and and sort of he would immediately be the best passer on the team um he'd give you a different element of scoring he's he's probably a little redundant with Rui but again it's like you're with the 15th pick there's probably only so much you can do here so Matt uh what do you think of Shen Gun do you like him here at the Wizards do you like do you like him much at all um what do you think I, I like him overall. Have you guys ever seen the movie Role Models uh, with Paul Rudd? Yeah, and uh, yeah, Sean William Scott. Yeah. So the, there's a, a scene in that movie that's become like a meme over the years. Like, I like the idea of it more than I actually like it. Um, I, that's how I feel about him as a player. Like, I, I get the case for, you know, 18 MVP of a pretty good league. Uh, 
but I also just look at him and, and I just don't see how the Wizards could maximize what he does well. Like he doesn't really shoot it. Maybe he will, but that's a ways away. He doesn't really defend yet. Uh, you know, he's a pretty solid rebounder. Is he going to be that good of a rebounder against NBA athletes? That's sort of the question. I was actually having a conversation with a guy who played in his league uh, this year over the last week. And, and the feedback was, hey, this is a 6'9 guy with probably a 6'8 wingspan who doesn't really shoot it, who played on a team that prioritized making sure he had reasonable stats because it makes their league look good to have a homegrown product. Like, I just don't see how he comes in and, and fills a void for the Wizards that they could actually, like, take advantage of. Um, that that's me. Uh, like I think Jones actually makes more sense. Uh, I've got another buddy that's really good prep school coach. They played against Kai Jones when he was in prep school and just like the incremental jump he's made as sort of a late blooming guy. Like he's always been a little inconsistent. Uh, but you know, I, I think he's got like a much higher ceiling left where he could actually transition into like an archetype that makes sense in the NBA today. Um, Zangoon might be really good. I just, you know, what is a six, nine guy that doesn't really shoot or doesn't really defend if you have to play him at the five, it's just hard to make that fit. I think some teams can do it. I just don't think Washington can. Yeah. And Go ahead, Stone. I was, I was just going to say, I think with Sangoon too, much like Jalen Johnson, um, they're both guys that very much need a very specific context for them to yeah. be able to be maximized. Um, again, like Jalen Johnson as well. I think both of them, the Wizards probably more like what you were saying are in a place where they should take somebody that they can uh, mix things around with, you know, and try to get the most out of them. Um, but they're not, they're, they're focusing on trying to win and trying to win for right now, which is unfortunate because I mean, you know, with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal, it's like, how, how high can that team go? How high is that ceiling? Um, but that's, you know, a whole nother team building philosophy sort of episode. Um, but another player I'll, I'll throw in here too, um, that makes sense to me, um, as someone who can help immediately actually, but I'm not really sure if the wizards would take him this high would be, uh, Miles McBride, somebody that I think can play with either of, um, Bradley Beal or Russell Westbrook, uh, is a guy who plays on or off ball. Um, can defend at a decent level at the point of attack. So there's there's a lot of things that make sense there for him. And especially like you're saying, they're probably going to lose Neto. So having him as your backup guard or as your sixth man when, you know, Russell Westbrook is taking nights off here and there can be a bit of a benefit as someone who can help out in his rookie year. So uh, again, I, this might be a bit high for him in terms of where he's projected to go because he's probably uh, going to go later in the first. Um, but if, you know, if the Wizards were to trade back a little bit or something, is there, um, th does that player make any sense to you? This is a dude I love personally. Um, I actually like him more than I like, like a Davion Mitchell. Like I buy the shooting more long-term. Mm -hmm. The first thing that Wizards GM Tommy Shepard said, like, look, we need to add athletes to this team. And he's been talking about it for two years. Last year was an athletic center. They didn't actually go out and do that. They got him at the trade deadline in Gafford. This year, they talked about wings. McBride, maybe you could stretch it and say he's a wing in some smaller lineups, but 
yeah, to your point, Neto's probably gone. Ish Smith is probably gone. And none of those guys are particularly athletic anyway. So having like a young athlete off the bench, uh, you know, if, if you've been around Bob, Bob Huggins, like you just inherently know how to defend people, which the Wizards could use one perimeter defender that's like league average at least. So a guy that shoots, defends, and um, could jump over a phone book would be a welcome addition to, to this roster, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm just going to throw out a couple more names and then we'll, we'll move on from just the naming segment. Um, but you guys could just sort of hit on uh, any of them that stand out. I think they're all very varying likelihoods to be in play at 15, but um, they all provide interesting sort of fits. Um, Jaden Springer, JT Thor, Trey Murphy III, Cam Thomas, Usman Garuba, and Sharif Cooper are the names that sort of bounce around in my head as, as, oh, uh, and also Chris Duarte, which seems like a reach, but uh, I could, that's one of those that I could really see happening uh, with what you've talked about, Matt. So those are the names that sort of off the top of my head uh, are, are kind of like the last group of guys that I think really have a good shot to go here that we haven't hit on yet. So do any of those guys stand out as potential um, either good fits or, maybe bad fits guys you'd like or don't like just just what do you think of that group of guys and is there anyone that stands out uh, of the guys you listed I, I actually like a lot of them personally just as like prospects overall I, I like Springer a lot I don't know about the fit here as much like like McBride he probably brings similar things to the table I actually think Springer's like a solid strong guy for his age he'll probably defend I buy the shooting not quite as athletic. So, so maybe that makes it a little less of a, you know, a, a, a box checker, I guess. Thor is great. I mean, again, if, if you ended up in like the late twenties or something, I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Trey Murphy's a guy I, I personally am, am kind of really into because I think the role he played in college, he can kind of just seamlessly transition into doing that at the NBA level. I, I think he could be at 10 points a game good athlete, good defender, good spot up shooter kind of guy. So I actually like him a lot. If they traded back and took Trey Murphy, I would not be opposed to that. He could probably come in and be one of their better defenders right away, uh, which again says a lot about where the Wizards are that a rookie could come in and do that. But I heard the Duarte workout went pretty well for him in, in DC. So it wouldn't really surprise me if they took him at that point. I think Tommy Shepard showed with Rui Hachimura, like, nobody else really had him at nine so he's not really afraid to just like take his guy if he's there and when I asked him actually directly about sort of the idea of trading down he just sort of like blew it off so I don't know if that's a thing that's on their you know their radar to do but if I were them that's what I would try to do and, and I think all those are sort of reasonable names yeah I think Duarte is the interesting one um we haven't got into him much during this series and you know, I think sort of the Twitter consensus is that he's sort of a mid to late twenties prospect, but um, I, like there's plenty of mainstream outlets that have it much higher. Sam mm -hmm. has had him as a lottery pick since March, I want to say, or a lottery prospect for him at least. Um, it's just, it's just sort of interesting. Um, you know, he is 24. It, it's sort of like, like there's like old for the draft and then there's 24. Um, like, like, the number of like NBA all-stars younger than him is, is kind of nuts. So, and, and that's not, that's not to be like a huge knock on Duarte. It's just, it's sort of, 
it's sort of Washington kind of like fully wearing the necklace of like eighth seed. You know, like this, this is our consistent goal. This is all we want. We don't care to be anything better in five years. We're making the playoffs. We're getting that little bit of playoff revenue. We probably get two home games in the playoffs and that's enough for us. Um, good or bad. I guess it depends on, on who you ask. I, I doubt, I, I'm not around DC. I doubt many fans are super happy with that, but it, it makes some money and, and that's sort of, and Duarte is a very good player. I, I would, I would be shocked if he doesn't as a rookie average over 10 points a game on good efficiency. Um, but what's that, you know, what's that really worth um, at the 15th pick? If, if, you know, by the end of his rookie contract, he'll be 27 and you're going to have to pay, you know, a 27 year old, whatever that rookie extension is going to look like. Um, it's is just sort Duarte of a- from the Dominican Republic. Do you guys know? Yeah. 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 So like, that's another consideration with the wizards. Like we're just trying to check off like additional fan bases that we can try to bring in. So <laughs> there you go. Uh, whether it's Kai Jones and you get the Bahamas on board, you're the official team in the Bahamas or the Dominican or, or wherever you go after Garuba. Like it would not shock me if some amount of that, um, you know, additional fan base consideration played into what they do here. Yeah, that's so interesting. And you're the only person who's brought that up, but I, I actually find that fascinating. And it's probably something that goes more into it than we really think for some teams, especially teams like Washington that sort of consider themselves small market. Though I think Washington could probably step up into a slightly bigger market, but they just kind of <laughs> don't. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're so international. I mean, Rui is Japanese. Uh, where's Bertans from? Is he? He's Latvia. Latvia. Okay. Yeah. I always Latvia, Serbia. It's like, it's. They had the most international players on the roster of any yeah. team this year. They had more than Dallas, who's been pretty big, uh, yeah. you know, been ahead of the curve there. So it's, they're all about trying to make money other than through like a deep playoff run. Like that's, yeah. you know, that, that costs too much money to get the return on investment. So how can we cheaply add players that will sell more jerseys? And, and that's sadly like a thing that, that at least our jaded fan base thinks plays into things. Yeah. Well, sadly it, it probably does. This is, I feel like this has been a dour podcast. Maybe we need to talk about. That's who, wizards who, fandom. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> yeah. Who was, who was like the last, like, great great wizards player like uh i don't even know i don't even know i mean that's that i saw some last great wizards player prime wall if you would call that great i mean i mean john wall was like i think people forget like there were years where people could like convincingly pick him as their mvp like um preseason at the very least like he was very good um but yeah i mean it's just sort of a just sort of interesting place to be in i think Everyone sort of just hopes that they buy in and sell, you know, like I just, I don't know if there's a championship roster to be constructed here. It's just so, it's just so odd. It's just, or even like, like, even like a roster that has a chance to win in the first round. Like, like five seed is literal best case scenario. If they killed it in free agency and, and really rocked this draft and got like an impact rookie. I mean, that, that I think is honestly like where they max out based on who they have. And you talked about last great wizard. Try to name last great wizards defender. 
Like John Wall had one year where he made a second team all defense and he got a lot of steals and he also gave up career highs to like Alfred Payton every time they played the magic. So I don't know if that's a great defender or not. Uh, the guy I co-host my podcast with Larry Hughes is the last wizard to make a first team all defense for the Wizards, And that was in 2005. I mean, how old were you guys in 2005? Yeah. I was go. three years old. Yeah. Six, so that's i mean that's just sort of interesting uh by the way everyone should listen to his podcast i'm not even a wizards fan and it's fun uh anytime you get you get uh nba pers- nba players perspective and they're not like kendrick perkins it's really interesting um and and he was is just he he really does have like that nuanced perspective that you really love from uh from from a former nba player but anyways i digress um before we start to wrap up i want to ask you matt are there any like other big off-season moves, whether it be trades or free agent signings that you sort of have your eye on that you think make a lot of sense here? Um, or do you think it's just sort of, this is kind of the roster, they're going to take this 15th pick and that, that'll be it. Um, also, uh, is there any chance they buy into the second round? So I guess that's the, sort of the two questions there. I'm, one, I'm, I'm starting to lose my mind with what they've done versus what they should do. But I think if I remember correctly, they bought into the second round in each of the last two drafts or either traded back or traded to get a second round pick back previously. Um, So I think that's very realistic. And just looking at all the guys they've worked out, there's not a ton of like high first round guys, like probably Duarte, Josh Christopher, Iota Sunmu are like the three highest profile uh, Jaden Springer, like are are probably the three highest pro four highest profile guys that they've had for workouts. So uh, there's a lot of like Jericho Sims that have been coming in, Charles Bassey's, like guys like that. So I, I think just based on who they're keeping an eye on, uh, that that's probably pretty realistic, I would think, for them. And then I, for, I who's a guy on a team right now that was a first round pick or uh, McDonald's All American or something that like really fell flat in his first two years on a roster? Like Jared Culver. Yeah, I mean, like, those are the types of names that I think that they're going to try to buy low on. Like, that's sort of been the the Tommy Shepard staple, trying to pick up a Mo Wagner, going after a Thomas Bryant. Like, guys that were, you know, reasonably well-respected. You know, Jerome Robinson, even at the time, it's, a, you know, a lottery pick that didn't really work out and also didn't work out here. But, like, they're going to try that kind of stuff um, for, for – that's the thing that's their sort of mold is can you play a little bit now but also is there a chance that you still have some potential to like be a better player than you are now so i would scour every roster and look for those types of guys and and i think that's probably the types of names you see them like targeting that's interesting marvin bagley would be an actually really interesting fit here that would be that would that would bring some excitement a former number two overall pick um but um uh, what's their track record on like uh second round picks i wonder because i know it's, it's really bad yeah. you, you're gonna make yourself angry if you go look at it I, um, I the one i really remember is yusuf sanin who is bad in the european league he's playing in right now um i the first year i saw him live at summer league like i actually shed a physical tear when i was like oh my god this guy will never play a minute in the NBA. I mean, you have 
the last two first or second round picks, um, you've got uh, Cassius Winston and Admiral Schofield. And, and I don't think there's any chance that either of them have meaningful, impactful NBA careers. So well, yeah, they run, down, run down the list here and, and just be ready to be sad with me. I mean, Sadoransky, Sadoransky was a good that's the best case scenario one yeah. for sure. Uh, Aaron White from Iowa, even some some of these first round ones, Jerry and Grant, and they tend to trade away like actually good. Like Jordan Clarkson was technically with their pick, yeah. they traded him away. Um, ooh, Arsalan, be elite, so they traded away. Never oh, yeah, a minute here. I mean, yeah, it's... yeah, there's some there's some rough ones just looking through here. Um, like this I mentioned, you're even, turning this into a depressing. <laughs> even, I'm sorry, guys. That's round. my life. Welcome, welcome <laughs> to my welcome to my nightmare. When when did this current regime take over? What was um that was during the? I feel like I remember there was some turmoil. It was like when Marcus Smart was a free agent, right? Was that right before Rui got drafted in 2019? So the the issue here is Ernie Grunfeld, who pretty much everyone here hated was the general manager for 16 years and had like a well below 500 record. So figure that one out. Uh, Tommy Shepard was his number two. Like he was promoted from within a bad front office. And like, he's the guy that went to bat and said like, we have to take Jan Vesely. Like I'm the international scout of the group. Vesely's a star in the making. So like, that's the guy we promoted. And that's why we have like international PTSD between him and, Alexei Petrov and Vladimir Verminko and all these people that most fans probably have never even heard of. Yeah, that's I because I will say like in the, the the past two drafts they haven't had a second round pick from the looks of it. Uh, Vic Krejci was taken with their pick, which which sounds like a wizard selection, but actually that pick was given to the Thunder. Um, yeah, so. they 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 ended up with in the last two with like I said, Admiral Schofield they traded for and uh Cassius Winston and oh that's like, yeah we're really big into high character guys that are sort of non-athletes um but uh we'd be like the nicest team in the league um in terms of like people you'd want to like go out and grab a meal with so I guess that counts for something then they're gonna end up drafting Scotty Lewis so that's that's good yeah. at least someone's gonna take Scotty Lewis. no uh but yeah that's you know I really liked Admiral Schofield I'll say that Cassius Winston was low on but admiral schofield just a really interesting build um was he the 30 like sixth pick i want to say or 35th or something like that yeah he went right before bowl bowl and that just drove everybody here batshit because we just barely missed out on michael porter jr by taking troy brown right after and that didn't necessarily work out too well and everyone wanted bowl so like if you mentioned him to someone in dc they might take a swing at you Ugh. yeah that's uh that's rough uh luckily bowl bowl not exactly super successful either so yeah, sure. i mean not luckily that sounds to me this is you are turning me this is becoming like a really depressing podcast uh so let's end with some optimism uh bradley beal is really good um yeah. as is matt and his podcast and all his work um thank you so much for coming on man let the people know where they can find you and all your stuff uh plug yourself to your heart's content uh, yeah, I appreciate the time, guys. And this, I, again, I didn't make this mean to turn this into just a, a sob fest the whole time. But, uh, you know, we get to watch Beal. Westbrook's a, you know, historic player. I think there is a little hope. I think Rui will get better. I think Gafford's going to add some stuff next year. I think there's no way that Bertans can be as bad a second year in a row. 
I think Denny will work hard this off season, especially, you know, if, if he's healthy enough to do so. And again, they'll, they'll, they'll be like a six or seven seed in my opinion. And there are far worse places to be, you know, maybe, maybe hit, um, hit the lottery here, you know, uh, with, with this draft pick. So it could definitely be a lot worse. I, I'm just sort of a glass half full guy after the last decade and a half of this, but uh, I do, I run the believe podcast network, B L E A V. Uh, I'm partnered up with Larry Hughes. He's literally the nicest man you could talk to, which is really awesome. He was my favorite wizard when I was in high school, which is, which is pretty wild and surreal to get to do that. And uh, his son is actually playing at peach jam right now. So Larry's on the youth circuit a lot and has pretty good sense for these prospects and who these guys are. So at some point, if they're going in the lottery, like he's seen them at some point over the last couple of years. So adds a pretty good perspective there. And, and like you mentioned, he, he doesn't have any interest in being like a talking head. So it's, Hey, from an X's and O's perspective, this is what they did. This is what they could have done. This is why this worked. This is why this didn't work. So uh, whether it's wizards or not, uh, you know, if, if you are interested in some actual um, basketball breakdown and some clinical basketball talk, um, check us out, Believe in Wizards. And uh, we're at Believe in Wizards on social media too. So let us yeah. know. We always take questions. Larry loves fan questions. Like, ridiculously so so i think if anybody just wants to ask a general nba question uh he'd be happy to to try to shed some light on it for you yeah absolutely it's, it's worth the listen uh it's i just found it actually kind of recently but it's been in the rotation and uh larry's great matt is great and i love uh, too like his kid and everything going on with peach jam and eybl it's so fun uh this is an exciting time for basketball obviously the finals are going on it's draft season but it's also like i'm doing work for next year's draft already yeah. with watching eybl and the u19s and so it, it, it's it's an exciting time for the whole basketball world right now uh and and we're glad we're you're taking an hour out of that to listen to us uh stone let the people know where they can find you and what they got to do yeah, uh, you could just follow me and all of my draft work at report underscore court on Twitter. Uh, and then if you want to follow the podcast at Upside Swings. Um, and then if you guys just want to wait, rate and review us, it helps us out a lot and helps us grow our base. Absolutely. Uh, this has been great. We want to thank Matt again. If you're feeling a little down after this podcast, uh, just go back, maybe listen to the Nets one. The Nets are in a good place. The Nets... <laughs> That that's that's a franchise that uh it, it is not stuck with the 15th pick. Um, but no, in all seriousness, this has been awesome. Uh Matt is great, absolutely worth the follow, and so is his podcast. Um, it's a really fun listen, whether you're hey, wizards. Perhaps fan. to perhaps to you guys for how hard you work. Like, I don't know if people who listen to this understand the amount of like chatter that goes on back and forth in, in sort of the draft community here to like really put time and effort into making like nuanced evaluations of stuff. So um, I, I see that kind of behind the scenes, how hard you guys are like working to be knowledgeable and things you're knowledgeable, but knowledgeable about, and it, it really shows and, and pays off. So I hope everybody listening appreciates that. We appreciate you saying that. That means a lot. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. That uh, it, it's been so great um, to hear any, any and all feedback. It's been pretty positive. This has been, I, I would say a huge undertaking. Uh, this is obviously my first year in, in, in the draft realm, but uh, it, it's hard for me to imagine anything much more uh, uh, time consuming than trying to record and upload daily podcasts, uh, especially considering we had to record like 
four or five a day before I went on vacation. So that was a, that was a fun time. And this has been a great time. Uh, thanks again to Matt. Thank you to everyone for listening. The series has been uh, incredible and, and we're rounding the home stretch. We're, we're almost to the back uh, third. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, this has been the Upside Swing Draft podcast. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you. Oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man, oh, you know, man.